scripture. All right. First Thessalonians chapter number five. Uh, again, we're going to follow what we did last week. I don't have an alliteration for you. I don't have this outlined in any way. Uh, this is just something as I was sitting back there listening to Sunday school hour that God put on my heart. And then as I sat there um, watching that, I, I just felt like the Lord would have me to do this. So let's start our reading in first Thessalonians chapter number five. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now he's not coming a thief. He's coming as a thief does, right? He's coming as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, not us, they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, not us, but them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Aren't you glad that says they? <laughs> thank the Lord for that. And so, but ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. We're looking for hastening the coming of our precious Savior, are we not? So that day is not going to overtake us as a thief. Uh, we're expecting him to come. Are you expecting the Lord to come? I'm looking for it, and I'm expecting him to come. Uh, and so anyway, we're even preparing for him to come, uh, but not so with them. But number five, verse number five says, Ye are children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. We have the mental and the moral. Let us watch. And let us be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. And, you know, there, I, 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 well, that's not the message. So, verse number nine, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That's one of the uh, many times I don't think there that he's talking about um, standing that we dealt with in Hebrews 10. I don't think that's the kind of salvation being born again. I think that salvation uh, here that's being spoken of is being not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation is talking about the uh, wrath that is to come on the lost, the ungodly uh, world. That's not the salvation that you know. Remember when he said, until he come without sin a second time unto salvation. Uh, that's a salvation to save us out of this ungodly world and the judgment that's coming against it. It's being reserved for fire and the day of judgment when God shall judge this world in righteousness. And uh, you and I will not have any part of that. I do not believe that I will suffer one second in and under the wrath of God, be it here or be it in eternity. If you're saved, you're saved, and you are saved from wrath. You're not appointed to that, but to obtain salvation. So when God pours his wrath, uh, unmixed without mercy upon this earth, you are not appointed to that. Uh, and I hope that encourages your heart that you will not be here for the wrath of God when it's poured out upon this earth. Um, I hope you believe that. Um, we will be raptured out of here. I believe we'll be like Enoch, who was not and walked with God. 
Now, that's not the message, but that's a lot of what he's been dealing with. Uh, and so he died for us, verse number 10, who died for us, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So well, I don't like being with God's people. Don't go to heaven then. You'll hate it because you'll have to spend eternity with people like me. So if you can't love to learn, learn to love me now, you might as well not even go. Now, hopefully you can take that as it was meant. I'm not going to say nothing else. I'm going to stop right there. All right. So hopefully you can learn. Uh, and that's what the Lord, when he saved us, this is part of the things that accompany salvation. Isn't it not love that's shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost? And it takes God's love to love people like me. And guess what? People like you too. Right? And it takes a special kind of love. And that's God's love. And this, by this, I think I heard a quote in my brother Alan this morning. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you dress right. Now, that's part of it. I'm not against, not, I'm not, I'm not against dressing right. But this is your identifying marker. And this is the motivation behind why a lot of times we dress right. So this is number one. Number one is that you have love one for another. Don't want to offend nobody. Don't want to be a stumbling block to anybody, right? Those kind of love for people. You have a love. Do you have that kind of love for the brethren? I hope you do. Um, say, uh, well, wherefore comfort yourselves or sleep, whether we, uh, whether, we, uh, whether we wake or sleep, that we should live together with him. Isn't that just a wonderful verse right there, that we should live together with him? I, I, can't, I can't wait to be gathered together in heaven with God's people and getting to hear more testimony. You think there'll be testimony time? You think there'll be people uh, singing about the blood of Jesus when they get to heaven and saying, boy, I thank God for how God saved me and kept me by his power. Uh, thank God. You know, one testimony we won't hear, good thing I was able to keep the law. God started it, but I kept it. You won't hear that testimony in heaven. You know, all you'll hear is worthy is the lamb that was slain. That's it. And I like those kind of testimonies all about Jesus, don't you? All right. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as you also do. Boy, there's a lot about togetherness, isn't there? There's a lot about being together. We are uh, together here. We gather together. That's part of what we looked at in Hebrews 10, exhorting one another uh, to gather, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves. What's that word? Together. And here again, he mentions again, wherefore, comfort yourselves together. That's going to be hard to do sitting at home all by yourself, isn't it? That's going to be hard to do watching Benny Hinn on TV. If that comforts you, you got real problems. I don't know if Benny Hinn is on TV anymore. I just say stuff sometimes. I don't know. Whoever it is on TV, some of them charismaniacs, okay? Uh, it's going to be hard to comfort other people uh, when you're so. So uh, he says here that we need to remember that we are going to be gathered together down here. And that's nothing's going to change when we get to heaven. You know what we're going to be when we're in heaven? We're going to be together. Right. And we better start learning to live together. 
Now, what are you talking about, Brother Clint? Here's what I'm talking about. Why is it that you can be out in the world as a lost man and you can go through life and you can have problems with people and you can have fallen outs and you can have arguments and it seems like you, you don't avoid going to places where they are. You don't quit talking to them. You, don't, you know what? You work it out one way or the other and you get over it and you go on. But in church, why is it that when people get mad, they just don't ever want to work it out? Why, why is that? Explain to me why. He doesn't have this problem in Oregon, but we have it here in Tennessee. We've got 1,400 independent Baptist churches within seven miles of here. Now, that's a little bit of a stretch now. My mama does that. Just blame it on her. Why is it that you can't fellowship with this church? You go over here and say, well, because this one's mad. This one's got a member in it. They used to go here and they're mad at us. And we can't go over there because they don't ever work it out. That's a shame, isn't it? What a crying shame. Had a preacher invite me to a, I was telling Brother Allen about this, had a preacher invite me to a preacher's fellowship and I started laughing at him. I said, a preacher's fellowship? That's funny. You ever seen preachers get along other than publicly? Some of them call them on the phone and all they do is badmouth every other preacher that ain't doing what they're doing. Not all of them now, but you know what I'm talking about. And so I started laughing at him. I said, well, good luck trying to get everybody to agree. I said, as far as I know, I don't have no problems with any of those people, but I don't know that they wouldn't have a problem with me. But see, that's beside the point. I thought we were supposed to love one another. What happened to all that? Well, why is it that I got to cross my T's and dot my I's just like you do? You can't love me. Why is that? I don't understand that. And, and, and not just preachers, but you think about other churches. You start thinking about around some of these communities, and you start, start thinking about people that have a falling out, and they get mad. And, and, and here's what I don't understand. Why don't they fix that problem? Isn't that commanded in the Bible that you should forgive one another as Christ, uh, God is for Christ's sake has forgiven you? I thought that was a commandment. I thought when we got saved, I thought we were better than the world. We loved people. We forgive people. Man, that's a shame that when that don't happen. You got something against somebody? I want to exhort you this morning. You better get it right. Because that's not representing the character of God. That's not representing Christ well uh, to have things and all against people and be mad at people and not deal with that thing. You let it fester up. You know what's going to happen to you? You're going to end up bitter and defiling many. Because you know what happens? When you start getting bitter, you start getting other people on your team against that person. And then, you, and then you lose your happiness, you lose your peace, you lose your joy, and you find yourself wanting bad things to happen to that person. I'm telling you, you better, when things, when things uh, if somebody has an art against you, or you perceive that they might, or you hear, do all you can to make things right. Because you don't understand how much all that affects. Look at your church family that it affects. Right? So, boy, we ought, to, we ought to do all that we can. If you got something against me, you better get it right. If I got something against you, I ought to get that thing right. We need to be at peace among ourselves. You know why? Because we're going to live together over there, and I have a good feeling Jesus ain't going to put up with that kind of foolishness over there, and he don't put up with it down here either. Right? God's not going to put up with all that. I have a pretty good feeling when we get up there and we're in God's house and we're under, and we are now, understand what I'm saying. And, and I realize that our bodies will be glorified and we'll have all that stuff. To, I understand that. But don't you think the expectation is the same down here that we live in harmony and at peace among ourselves? Hey, can I tell you something? If you've got something bad to say about somebody else in here and you can say it to me, you ought, ought to have been the second person that's heard it. The first person ought to have been them. Yes. Yes. 
Right? Why is it you can say, why is it that you can have something against somebody and say something bad about them to everybody else and you don't tell the one person that's able to actually fix the problem? You know, the only hope you got of fixing that relationship between you and that other, that other church member, the only hope you got is to tell them about it. <laughs> right? Have I lost my mind here today? And so how can we have fellowship? How can we have peace? with? Hey, we, we got to do those things. You know why? Because we're going to live together in heaven for all eternity. And we're going to be at peace over there. And you know what God wants us? He wants us to be at peace down here. He wants us to love each other. He wants us to get over all this stuff. And I'm going to tell you something. One of the biggest things that's holding up the uh, revival in our churches is not, it's not people that aren't crossing, doing these little outward appearances. It's a lot of that stuff on the inside. It's people being mad at each other, having things against each other, bad-mouthing each other. And he said, be careful lest you be devoured one of another. And you know what happens in a lot of churches? People are devoured of each other. Don't let that creep in here. As far as I know, it ain't in here, but it's preventive maintenance. I don't want it in here. I don't want all that bitterness. I don't want all that bad-mouthing people. I don't want all these fightings and divisions and all that stuff. And I want to hit it off. I want to do like Barney did. I want it to be nipped in the bud before it ever gets started. Don't you? When I see my kids start, how many of you, how many of you do this? When I see my kids start, I can see these two start to fight before they ever open their mouth to each other. And you know what I want to do? I want to stop it before it comes to fist and cuss, or whatever they used to call it. Before one of them hits the other one, let's just put a stop to it, don't you think? Let's not even go down that road. I can see one of them start to get upset with the other one, and I think, man, Lord, please help, help them. Let's just stop it before it ever goes too far, don't you think? How many church fights have you seen in Baptist churches that could have been headed off months ago if somebody would have just done what the Bible said Amen. and just been honest? Say, well, that's not the message, okay? But that's good. That's good. We need that, don't we? Are you, are you being honest with me? You're shaking your head. I hope you're being honest with me. You better not have a problem with somebody in here not dealing with it. I've seen that thing grow and hurt people. Thinking of a man right now. He can't get over it. He's so mad. I have seen him so mad. He, you cannot talk to him without him saying something about it. It's eating him alive. Yes. Don't let that do that to you. If you're upset with somebody, if they're who the Christian they're supposed to be, I can promise you they'll do anything they can to be at peace with you. That's what the Bible said to do. As much as possible, as much as lies within you. And not what, what the book said. Be at peace. Peace. And so do all that you can. And can I say this? Say, well, I'm not involved. I'm just in the middle. I'm friends with them and I'm friends with them and I listen to both sides. Why don't you do yourself a favor and just cut them both off? If they're too cowardly and too Christian and not Christian enough and not grown up enough to uh, stop using you as a filter and to run back and forth back between the two, if they're not if they're not grown up enough to go to each other and fix it, why don't you just remove yourself from the situation and get out of it? Isn't that good? Quit. Some people, some people stir it up. They get in the middle and they get information about people. And man, they'll be on both sides. They'll be over here telling me how much of the, oh, I can't believe they did this. And then you know what I'll see? Why, well, they're best friends with that person. That's messed up, isn't it? People like that bother me. You know what you ought to be doing? You, if you're in the middle, you know what your job is being in the middle? It's trying to, be reconcil- trying to bring reconciliation between them two brothers. 
If I'm going to be in the middle, I'm going to be in the middle and be faithful enough to say, hey, look, he may have done wrong. He may be wrong. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray for him and let's go to him and let's make this thing right. Lord, we can't go on like this. We can't go on years mad at people. So when that stuff starts creeping up in your heart, you know what you, you ought to do? I've had people do me this way I, I just maybe a couple of times. Um, oh, oh, in fact, recently it's happened. I had a person ask me something about something that I said, and they thought that I was uh, taking kind of a stab at them about something that I said. And I said, Lord, I wasn't stabbing at you. I didn't even know that was going on in the situation you're in. And they said, boy, I'm glad I asked you and didn't just sit and assume what you're I said, me too, because, man, I didn't even have a clue. You, some people give me too much credit. I'm not near as smart as I look. <laughs> I heard that, Brother Reed. I'm glad you all laugh at that. That really makes me feel good. I'm telling you, I'm like, man, you give me too much credit. I don't know what's going on out here. Hey, I don't get involved in all this stuff. I don't know who's mad at who and what preachers against this one. Not all of that. That's not my business. You know what our business is? Is what Miss Barbara said. It's trying to see sinners saved by the grace of God. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know it if people didn't tell me. I didn't go seeking it out. I don't want to know some of it, do you? <clears throat> but here's what I want to do. I want to be, where the Bible said, blessed are the peacemakers. I want to do everything I can to keep peace. Don't you? I believe he quoted this one also. Uh, is it endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Isn't that what love is? Love's a labor. I think what happens oftentimes, and there's, there's emotions that come along with love. When I saw my wife for the first time, there were some butterflies in my stomach when I'd go to her house and all. You know what I'm talking about, preacher? Not butterflies now. It's kind of this kind of rotten feeling. I'm just kidding. I got to quit joking around. I'm being serious now. Listen, that's what she's thinking about me. I'll never live that one down. All right, now listen. Love is not this 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 feeling. I mean, it does include that. I mean, y'all remember when I'm talking about that puppy love you were in, and boy, you had that, and and uh, and uh, uh, and that's great. There, there there are feelings that come along with love. There's a feeling that comes along with salvation. There's a feeling that comes along with God loving me. Boy, it feels good to God love me. Uh, and, uh, and 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 I'll have to say, sometimes I've had butterfly feelings in my stomach coming to church worshiping Jesus. Sometimes had some feelings that come along with that love. But the Bible said, God is not unrighteous. Forget your work and labor of love. Love is hard work. It takes hard work to love people. You don't believe me? Let's take a survey about a marriage as everybody walks out the door today. Everybody other than Dee and Jeremy is going to tell you they've had problems. You know what you've had to do? You've had to understand, like Brother Bearden said, you married an imperfect person and you're imperfect and you've had to work and had to labor at loving those people and it's worth it because God loved you. <laughs> it's a labor of love. And so that's in a marriage. But what about in a church? You're filled with all kinds of personalities. Hey, some people's personalities, they really rub me the wrong way. And I've got a pretty good idea I've rubbed them the wrong way. Just because I'm gifted that way. I got a gift to offend people. And uh, why are you shaking your head? Yes. And uh, so, uh, I believe the Bible even said we offend all, right? All of us are offensive in some way to one another. And so what we have to do, we have to work and labor at loving people. 
It is hard work, church. I'm going to tell you something. You know what pleases God? You know what, you know what God wants for us in this church? is to continue to labor to love one another. And if you're professing godliness and you're professing that you know God, I want to do everything I can to work and labor and deny myself to love you and see you stand perfect in Jesus. But that's going to take hard work. That's not going to happen because you've got these butterfly feelings in your stomach over people. You've got to continue to work and labor to love people. It's going to take hard work. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to swallow your pride sometimes. Right? And that, that's not very easy to do a lot of times, especially somebody like me that's right all the time. I don't know the time I've been right. <laughs> I'm not looking over here because I don't want to see what she's got to say about that. Right? And so uh, sometimes you have to swallow your pride just a little bit and you have to humble yourself and you have to go to people and say, look, if I've offended you in any way, I want to fix this thing. Can I, 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 I'm amazed. I, I, can't, I can't do this. I, I don't know how people's able to do it. How are you able to continue on as a Christian knowing that you and somebody else can't stand each other? And you've never done, not even made an attempt to try to fix it. And so how are you okay? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, what happens to families on my mama's side? They can't, none of them get together anymore. They all hate each other. And I'm sitting there thinking, what has happened that has caused everybody where they can't get over something silly? Hey, I've done a lot worse than that. Surely I can forgive that. And it just blows my mind. But that's one thing in a family. How about in a church? I don't know how you can go on like that. I want to exhort you. You think you're going on like that. You're not. That can't be good for you to harbor feelings of uh, uh, animosity and, and have, uh, have kind of uh, these uh, feelings towards people and not deal with that thing. Now, I've preached this before, and, and uh, if you're able to forgive them as Jesus did and said, Father, forgive them, they know what they do. And I, I, if you're able to really do that, but if you're not, you better get that thing right. Wherever they go to church, get it right. Be at peace with other people. There's nothing worth losing the unity of the Spirit. There's nothing worth grieving God over. Do all you can to make things right with people. So, oh, well, people don't matter. It only matters that I please God. You have missed it, buddy. You can't read your Bible and tell me people don't matter. They sure do matter. God's highly offended. I think oftentimes, now here we've wasted all our time dealing with that. That's not where I want to go. But uh, I can't get away from that edifying one another and being together. We're going to be together forever in heaven. And so somehow you're going to have to get to where you can learn to love people like me and people, other people uh, in your life. And I use myself because that's um, easy to, to do. Uh, but um, you know what I'm talking about. It, it, uh, other people in the church, you got you got to learn how to love because you're going to spend eternity with them. Now, let me just uh, go on with this because uh, the time's almost up this morning. But we beseech you, brother, knowing them that which labor among you and over you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love of the work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now, who exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient toward all men. Boy, that's a lot, isn't it? You know, I know this is about as rambled and scattered as I've probably ever been. But my mind is just in a place I can't... And I don't, I don't want to attack any standards. You all know me. You know I, 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 I'm for, I don't think you can have standards too high. I don't. I, I mean that with all my heart. But why is it a lot of times, is, isn't the outward so much more easier to pretty up and make right? 
I, it, it's so easy that, uh, uh, man, if, if shorts are offensive to one of my, uh, my brethren, uh, you know, uh, I, I've heard this man say this to me. He said, uh, uh, he said I, I would never do nothing to offend them. He said, if I was ever around them, I would never wear shorts save my life because I'd never do nothing to offend them. That's love, folks. That's, that's love. And uh, uh, what he was talking about there is uh, not when we were talking about uh, the, the, the just cleaning up the outside, which is which is good. The outside ought to be clean. Don't please don't misunderstand me. But why is it we overlook stuff like this? This seems a whole lot more important. Now we not, ought to not leave the, that off, and so that we can do this, right? God never expects you. He never commands us to do something, and we have to forsake one commandment in order to do another. Never. But why is it that we seem to oftentimes overlook things like edifying one another, comfort ourselves together, and what about this, supporting the weak and being patient towards all men? It's like, look, forget if you're patient or not, just just look right on the outside. I don't care if you're patient towards all men or not. I wonder sometimes, uh, uh, why is it? I think we've taught this to our young people. They think if they can clean their outside up, that they're right with God. I know people that look right on the outside, and they're further from God than anybody I know. Because their heart's messed up. God wants our heart. He, he wants our hearts right. He wants us to be, man, God wants us. He, listen, don't, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying go dress wrong and then be patient to people. You know I don't believe that. What I am saying is, though, don't think that you can cover up being impatient by putting a dress on. And I think people do that because that's easy. This was easy to do this morning. It took a lot of years for me to learn to do this tie. This is a real deal right here. This is one of them, what they call them double deals right here. I mean, this is, this is nice, buddy. Brother Bearden taught me that. You see that thing? Now, it don't ever stay up. It always comes down because my neck's too big and I can't get my shirt, tail, shirt top buttoned. But this was easy to do. And this was easy to do. And I'm for that. I think we ought to look as nice. We're coming to worship God. We ain't going to Walmart. I ain't to come to church. I look as nice as we can and try to separate from the other things that we go to. I believe all that stuff. But that ought to be easy to do. I'm going to tell you where you're going to struggle in your Christian life. It's not covering up your flesh. If you struggle up not showing your nakedness to people, you got a whole lot more problems than I'm probably going to be able to help you with this morning. <laughs> Right? And that's your problem. Now, but here's what I will say this. I will say this. Boy, I'm telling you this. It's not easy to work on being patient towards all men. It's not easy to try to support the weak and comfort the feeble-minded, to warn them that are unruly, to comfort other people, to edify one another. That's hard to do. That takes some labor of love to do, doesn't it? Hey, what about this? Be patient towards all men. Maybe even those that ain't got to the place where you are and growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord. And you got to be patient with them. Right? I told you about that. Negative. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm glad God put some people in my life that was patient with me and allowed me to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, nobody uh, stood over me with some kind of bull whip trying to make me. They just preached the Bible to me and they were faithful to love me and they were patient with me. And I'm still working on things and I've still got people in my life that are patient with me. Boy, that helps, doesn't it? Be patient towards men. Hey, it's, it's easy to be patient to everybody that's got everything right. But it's not talking about that. It's talking about being patient towards all men, everybody. Uh, patient with those people. Don't forget, we still got to 
we still have to warn them that are unruly. See, that's just as loving as being patient, isn't it? You start acting disorderly and you start living wrong and you start doing a, and me stand up here and preach against that stuff and preach the word of God. You, you say, well, you're not, you're not being patient. You're not loving me. Oh, yes, I am. That's in the same context of the scriptures there. Warm them that are unruly. Now, I'm done because I, I, this is what I wanted to get to, preacher. I didn't, again, get time to do it. But this is just what was on my heart. And, I'm, and so being patient, see that none render evil for evil unto any man. But ever follow that which is good. Remember that he said that? We went through that verse. Who is he that will harm you if be followers of that which is good? So render, don't render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So this, this vengeance, this I'm going to get them back for what they've done, that's out the window, isn't it? Sounds like it is to me. I'll show them treat me that way. I wouldn't do that if I was you. God might remind you of a few things. Leave that stuff to the Lord. Do everything you can to be at peace among yourselves. Now, here was my message. And I, I, I'm done. I don't know how we got to that, but rejoice evermore. So familiar verses of Scripture. But, you know, I have found this year that's been hard to do. Has it been hard to rejoice? How much rejoicing have you done this year? Is God not worthy to be praised and rejoiced over in bad times just as much as good times? So in, in bad times, where's our rejoicing at? You know, we ought to be rejoicing in the Lord for what's happening, what's going on in our life. So I'm supposed to rejoice over Corona? I don't know that, it's, uh, that it says that. I use COVID would probably be the safer word to use there. <laughs> rejoice over COVID? I don't think that's what that's saying. Look at the next verse of what he said. Look at what he says here. Pray without ceasing. You know what I got to thinking of? How many prayers have been prayed for Brother Reed's foot? How many of y'all pray for Brother Reed's foot? And prayed for years. Brother Reed, how many years have you prayed for that foot? And you know what the Bible sources us to do? You know what I'm going to do? And God, God's not fixed that thing yet as far as we know. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep on praying and I'm not going to quit praying. Amen. I'm just going to keep praying. And maybe God will take him home. God will fix it and by, by, by sending Jesus tomorrow. And then he won't ever have to worry about it again. He'll have a full-fledged foot that won't ever hurt again. Amen. He'll be the first one running. And I'll still be putting it off. Well, I do today what you can put off till tomorrow. And you know what it says? It says, it says rejoice evermore. And he said, pray without ceasing. I, and see, and, and people talk about, y'all know what I believe on that, and I'm going to move on. But they say, we ought to be in a constant spirit of prayer. Spurgeon teaches that uh, kind of teaching. I understand what that's saying, and I, I'm not preaching against that. But I'm thinking more here is what it's saying is, don't give up praying. I know some of you that have contacted me, I mean, so many, many, many times over certain requests that you've had. And I want to exhort you, don't think that you're getting on God's nerves or that you're ever getting on mine. You just keep praying and don't quit praying. Say, so, well, I prayed God save my youngin. I've prayed God save my grandchildren. I prayed God save this one, and God ain't done it yet. You might just be on the verge of God doing that tomorrow. You don't know what God's doing. Don't quit praying. And so that's what he says there. Rejoice evermore. You know why we ought to be able to rejoice in, in bad times? Because faithful is he that promised. God's faithful. So just keep rejoicing. And pray without ceasing. And here's the one I got to thinking of that really had me a little bit convicted today. In everything, give thanks. 
Now, I don't believe that says, and I'm done. I do not believe that that says this morning is that we are supposed to be, uh, or uh, I, I want to be careful when I say that. I don't, I don't think that what we're being told here is that we should be thankful. Uh, I know Paul did say whether our glory and infirmities. I know he said that. But he said glory, he didn't say thankful. So I'm trying to be careful here in what I'm saying. All right, I'm not saying that, uh, that I'm 100% against saying that I thank God for sending this coronavirus into our country because of what it's done. I'm not saying I'm against that, but that's really not what's being said here. I'm, I'm thankful God sent this uh, 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 certain thing into my life. I'm, I've heard people say, I'm thankful God allowed this death come to my family because of what it's taught me and how it's, and I understand what they're saying here. But here's definitely what it is saying. It's definitely saying, in any situation that we face, give thanks. So, well, I'm not very thankful for coronavirus. You know how much thankful I was for that in coronavirus, Brother Allen? That much. And in fact, I don't never want that again, ever. And, and, uh, and I'm not saying that uh, maybe you could find some verses, maybe improve me wrong there. But what I'm saying is, uh, here's my, what I do know. I was able to come to a place when I was so sick and I was a little bit scared there, especially that one day. I was able to come to a, to a place where I was able to give thanks to God. Why? Because God never left me one time. I was able to give thanks in any situation that you're going to. I'm telling you, I'm going through a rough time in my marriage. Uh, I, I'm, going, I'm having a rough time uh, with my children at home. I'm going through a rough time with my health. I'm going to, and boy, they're serious. I'm telling you, people are suffering some things. But can I exhort you to do something? Just start giving thanks to God. I'm not saying you got to be thankful for having bad health, but I am saying this. There's plenty of things other than bad health that you can thank God for. There's never a time when we can't be thankful to God. All situations that come, you know what we can do? We can be thankful. You know what some, uh, we need to learn? Having food and raiment to be content therewith. Isn't it? Are, are we not just thankful and happy just having Jesus? Is Jesus enough? Well, sure he's enough. But we oftentimes let things come into our life to get us to uh, where we really don't act that way. And uh, what we need to be exhorted to in these days, because I'm going to give you what I think, and I think any preacher that reads this Bible would have to agree with it. I don't think times are going to get no better. It's liable to get worse. So how could it get worse? I didn't think it could get worse. And look how many people around us is dying from this thing. And this is a nothing little virus, really, if you think about it. The survival rate of this thing's not not really all that that bad. I mean, the, the death rate's really not all that bad. And it's even been inflated by how they do their cases and all. God, hey, it could get a whole lot worse. And uh, you know what I you know what I want to learn to do? Whatever state I'm in, I want to be thankful, don't you? In everything, give thanks. In every situation. I know it's bad. I mean, I've not suffered some of the things some of you have suffered. I've been a few, few things, but not like some of you have. But you know what we still ought to be able to do in the worst of times? I can't think of a time that could befall us on this earth. We just read in Hebrews 10 of the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Jesus able to perfect you forever. I can't think of one thing that could befall me and you on this earth that we wouldn't be able to give thanks to God for. And I'm considering pretty bad things. And I'm not making light of them, but I am saying this. Let's be thankful for what we have. 
You ever thought about that? Some of you men, do you, do you ever think about, I know your job's probably aggravating. I got so aggravated at my job, my boss. But you know what? I'm thankful. Uh, you know what? You need to come to that place where you're thankful that God's provided an opportunity for you to work and labor and provide for your family and be able to give to the work of God and all that he's been able to do. Be thankful for that work you got. I got one amen out of that. That's sorry, man. Hey, I know it's difficult. Be thankful in those situations. Be thankful in bad health. Be thankful when it seems like times are dry at church and, and maybe there's not a lot going on and maybe there's not a lot of testifying. There's not a lot of people getting saved and there's not a, a whole lot seemingly happening. It doesn't look like God's doing much. I'm telling you something, God's doing something. And I believe we're on the verge of something right here if we'll stay faithful. If we'll just stay right, if we'll keep rejoicing evermore, if we'll keep praying without ceasing, if we'll give thanks and everything give thanks, and then let's just finish this up because I'm done. He said, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calls with you who will also think about doing it maybe if you're a good boy. That's the, that's the NIV. I didn't say that. Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. God started this work, didn't he? God is faithful. And you know what we need to do? We need to be thankful for everything that he's done. How many, how many times have we seen lately? How, many, how much giving of things have we seen? How much rejoicing have we seen? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know exactly. And we're all guilty of it. You know what we don't, we don't do? We don't come in here rejoicing over God and very little giving thanks. Most of the time we're down about what's happened. We're scared to death. Most of all, fear is probably dominating a lot of us. But uh, we got a lot of doubts. We're, we're, we're uh, very, just very little of the thing God's trying to exhort us to do. God is still in control and he's still well able to take control of everything in your life. God, God has not lost any control. None of this has surprised him. None of this has caught him off guard. God is still, everything is running right on schedule. Jesus is coming and I'm telling you what we need to do is just get back to giving things, rejoice evermore and say, well, I don't feel like it. He doesn't say do it when you feel like it. He said do it. And man, you are been sin and being disobedient to the commands of this Bible by not being thankful, rejoicing and prayerful and holy. Right? So well, I tell you what, next time God moves on me, quit acting foolish. You ain't going to do nothing. You're making excuses. You're going to start rejoicing when I start my diet. That's never. Quit fooling yourself. I'm done. Brother Reed, come on. I don't, I'm not trying to get hateful. I'm trying to say this. We're full of ourselves a lot of time. Well, next time God moves on me. Hey, what else do you want God to do for you, my friend? He saved you from your sins. He'll never remember them against you anymore. He's covered you in the blood of his son. He's got, you've, got a, you've got a faithful high priest over the house of God. You've got all of those things we just read about. What else is it that you want God to do to make you feel like rejoicing and being thankful? You ought to be in hell. That's thankful enough. It's something to be thankful for, isn't it? That ain't too harsh, is it? Rejoice evermore. Don't quit praying. Don't lose confidence in God's character. 
But most of all, this morning, I want us to think about we need to be thankful for what God's done in our life. How many of our homes would be broken up if God didn't save one of us? Huh? How many of us would even be here this morning worshiping God? I wouldn't even be here. You know, I, 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 I tell you one thing, Brother Reed. I wouldn't darken the doors of this church if, I, if God didn't save me. And here's my children, for better or for worse. And my wife, and God, took us from absolute wretchedness and put us in church serving God together. These boys will be gone before I know it, but our, our children, they're on the verge of being gone. And I'm thankful this morning I'm able to sit in church with them. Aren't you? Where would we be without him, Tyler? So if you can, they're going to, Brother Reed's going to sing one. And I just want to encourage you. This isn't any kind of attack or nothing. I just want to encourage you. As faithful as God's been to us, let's just, let's just go on and just rejoice and be thankful. God's been good. To, I don't know how this thing's going to go. But this much I do know, no matter how it goes, I'm thankful to God for what he's done. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for my church family. I want to rejoice and be thankful and pray without ceasing. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for just simple truth. And I just ask you to take what was kind of scattered out here and just speak to somebody's heart and help all of us, Lord. You've, I have no complaints, coronavirus or no. I have no complaints. You have been a faithful, faithful father. And I want to thank you for putting my family back together. <laughs> for saving me and calling me to preach. Allowing me the privilege to pastor and be a part of this thing. Lord, I'm, I'm thankful to be here. I thank you for all these people that faithfully come. So, Lord, if there's anybody here who just needs to get something right, I just pray you'd help them. And most of all, if there's anybody lost, may they just see Jesus and turn to him. I love you, Lord. Thank you for all you've done. Amen. Brother Reed's going to sing. If you need to come, you come on this morning. And